Hello, friends, and welcome once again to Carmelite Conversations. We have an exciting show for you this evening. I know many of our listeners have a great devotion to the Blessed Mother, and some of you may even know that the Carmelites have a very special relationship with Mary. Well, today we are going to spend some time exploring that unique relationship, some of the specific devotions associated with Our Lady of Mount Carmel, and most importantly, we're going to talk about uh, ways that Mary can help us to grow in our life of holiness. Once again this evening, uh, to explore these topics, I have with me my uh, both guest and co-host, uh, Francis Harry, who's the president of the local community here in Dayton of the Carmelite the Secular Order. Good evening, Francis. Good evening, Mark. It's great to be back. Thank you. It's great to have you. I- I'm going to ask you in a moment, uh, Francis, after we invite uh, or introduce our next guest, uh, to talk a little bit about some of the feedback you may have received this week, and I'll share some as well, because we want to continue to be responsive and sensitive to uh, the input that we're receiving from our listeners uh, and making sure that we're making uh, our time here together uh, pertinent and Im- important for them. We also have with us this evening Deacon Tracy Jamison, who's both a deacon of the Diocese of Cincinnati and assistant professor of philosophy at Thomas More College in Crestview Hills, Kentucky. Uh, Tracy is a 14-year member of the Secular Order of Carmel in Cincinnati, uh, a community that both Francis and I were previously members of before we moved here to Dayton. Uh, Deacon Jameson, it's a great pleasure to have you with us here this evening. Thank you, Mark. It's good to be here with you. So let me first start with a couple of uh, cleanup items, Francis, if I can, from last, uh, last week's program. Uh, unfortunately, listeners, we ran out of time towards the end of the program. We had a very good uh, format with uh, Deacon Baldwin, who was with us last week, and we had so much to talk about that we neglected uh, to cover a few uh, of the details that we'd introduced at the beginning of the program. So I just want to take care of those this evening. And the first and the most important is that we had a little quiz out last week, and we never finalized with the answer to that quiz. Now, at the beginning of the program, we asked this question. We said, what was the first rule of life? Last week's program was about the Carmelite rule, and we spoke a little bit about how the rule served as the basis for developing an individual spiritual plan for life. How do you begin if you're just beginning uh, that walk with the Lord? How do you deepen or advance it if you've perhaps spent some years? And even if you are well advanced in your spiritual walk with the Lord, how do you go even deeper? Because as we know, John of the Cross tells us, there's no end. Uh, it's an abyss of mercy and an abyss of love. But we asked that question, and Francis, I'm going to ask you if you wouldn't mind to provide us the answer to that question from last week's program. Drum roll, please. <laughs> the answer is the Ten Commandments. So you had a whole week to think about that, those of you who listened in last week. But, you know, somebody brought up the point to me when I was telling them about this quiz, and they said, well, Francis, maybe it was really... Don't eat the apple. And I thought, well, that, is, that gives us food for thought, you know. Well, it does. And so the gift, of course, that we were going to give away, Francis, as uh, we discussed, is the uh, one-time uh, guest appearance on the Carmelite Conversations <laughs> radio program. So we'll have to hold off on that for now. Uh, good. Well, let me turn to, uh, to Deacon Tracy and uh, start with you, if I can, this evening. First of all, and I think the question was pertinent for us last week as well, but, but let me begin uh, Tracy, how long have you been a uh, deacon? Well, less than a year. I was ordained last April. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and how do you find that you are able to combine? Obviously, they're complementary. Uh, but, but what benefit and additional fruit do you draw from 
the combination of your devotion to Carmel along with uh, what we know there uh, is for the deacons, and that's certainly a very specific rule of life or a, a spiritual plan that you follow. How do you combine those two for additional uh, fruit? Well, in Carmel, we focus on prayer, and we focus on going deep into prayer and into union with God. And we see that this union with God that uh, God graces us with is really the foundation of our apostolic success. And so as you carry out the work of a deacon, uh, you rely on prayer mostly. So you try to begin every act of service with prayer and continue it in the presence of God, practicing the presence of God. And then you also conclude your service with prayer and offer it to God as an offering that would be pleasing to Him through Christ. You know, one of the other uh, cleanup items that I want to make sure we get uh, to spend some time on this week, somebody asked me uh, this past week, uh, they, they expressed their uh, pleasure with the program, they enjoyed listening uh, to what we had to offer, but they, they asked that we might go a little bit deeper in this idea of continuing our prayer in what Paul challenges us when he says, pray without ceasing. So I, I want to make sure that we talk about that this evening. You did just touch on it, uh, Deacon Tracy, and, and we want to pick up on that. But I also want to make sure we move quickly into the discussion about the Blessed Mother. This is uh, the focus of this evening, obviously. And she serves as the ideal model of that prayer without ceasing. Uh, I do want to emphasize for, uh, for listeners, one uh, who may have uh, asked, uh, any of, uh, of you who may have asked that question, and certainly those who've been uh, more experienced with this idea of unceasing prayer, this isn't something you will begin tomorrow, is it, uh, Tracy? It's obviously, uh, like anything, it takes time, it takes practice, it takes effort on our part, doesn't it? Well, absolutely. And, in fact, when you think about what's being asked, you, you recognize it as an impossible goal. Can we pray without, without ceasing? Can we actually manage to do that? Or as one of the saints put it, can, we are to aspire to pray more often than we draw a breath. Now, is that humanly possible? No, it isn't humanly possible. But what makes it possible is the grace of God. And so God wants to grace every living person with a form of prayer which would empower and enable them to actually pray without ceasing. You know, in the first week, uh, Francis, we talked a little bit about this idea uh, something we've lost a little bit, I think, in, in, in the church today, or at least we don't talk about it enough, and that's the idea of the indwelling presence of the Trinity, the, the focus on the interior life. We spend so much of our time, we're challenged in so much of our day in dealing with the externals, the, the, the you know, consequences of, uh, of raising a family and the challenges of balancing uh, economic struggles and, and our health and what have you. Uh, and, and rightly so, we focus on those things, we try to keep those things in balance, but we sometimes then lose the balance with our focus on the interior life. What does the Blessed Mother have to teach us about refocusing back on that interior life? Well, I think she's the perfect model of helping us to ponder. You know, think about what's happening in our life. Boy, didn't she have lots of things to think about in her life. I mean, who would have thought that the angel Gabriel was going to come to her and announce this great news? Of course, she, along with the other Jewish people, were waiting for the Messiah to arrive, and she's just praying to be the handmaid of the Lord. And then, lo and behold, she is the one who, you know, the Lord has picked. So she ponders these things in her heart, 
And so the challenge to us today is how often are we pondering what is happening in our life? Are we looking at it and, and trying to get out of the emotion, the angst, or the excitement and really think, you know, what is happening here? What is God trying to teach me? Because we truly can know and believe that everything that happens to us, good, bad, or indifferent, is allowed or permitted by God for our good and for our growth. Right. And, and as we mature in this interior life and we view the events of our life in the context of our relationship with God, Deacon Baldwin said last week, we have to look at our joys, our sorrows, our fears, our aspirations, desires, our hopes, if you will, everything in the context of our relationship with Jesus Christ. And that helps us, Tracy, to begin to move to an interior focus on all of those events in our life, both the good and the bad. And what we come to understand is even the bad things, the challenges, are opportunities for us to deepen our relationship with Jesus Christ, to grow in divine love, and to live that interior life so that we really begin to live the experience of heaven even before we're there, don't we? Yes, absolutely. And it's really in those times that are dark and trials and tribulations that that we that we draw close to God in prayer, and it, it is His way of drawing us to Himself and beginning to perfect our prayer life, to bring it to a higher level. He's treating us really as His beloved sons and daughters when we are uh, put to the test with regard to the virtues that He's given us. The foundation of prayer, of course, are the theological virtues of faith, hope, and charity. And like any virtue, these virtues are only, they only grow and become perfected when they're put to the test and when we practice them and exercise them in the trials and tribulations of, of life. So we're, quarter, we're sort of like a spiritual athlete here. If we don't exercise those muscles, then how are they going to grow? Well, that's a great analogy, and, and it's true. All the virtues are similar in that regard, the physical virtues, um, if you want to have physical health, uh, what's the rule? A good diet and good exercise, no pain, no gain, and all that. The same is true of the intellectual life. If you want wisdom, knowledge, and understanding, you must apply yourself and uh, spend, lose some sleep and study hard, and it's difficult, right? And in the moral life, you have the same thing. You must incline to what is difficult, not to what is easy. And so when it comes to the spiritual life, which really perfects our nature, uh, the spiritual life is living faith, hope, and charity out in a way that would actively exercise those virtues and uh, would also allow God uh, to uh, work with us in order to bring us to a perfection that is even above what our nature is capable of uh, accomplishing on its own. And this is what we're really called to, isn't it? We were talking about St. Thomas before the program, and we know St. Thomas says that uh, grace does not... Uh, in any way damage or minimize nature, grace perfects our nature, doesn't it? But we have to participate in that process. Uh, our life, our, our faith is not simply uh, the active uh, participation in our prayer life or the sacraments, but really it's an effort on our part, much like the, the athletic analogy, and I think it's a good one, uh, to perfect ourselves through grace, because we obviously know that we can't do it on our own. But that's what we're called to, isn't it? It's a continual effort at bringing ourselves to, as as Christ tells, as Saint Paul tells us, "Be ye per." I'm sorry, it is Christ tells us, "Be perfect as your Father is perfect." That's a it's a significant 
a challenge to us, but it is what we're called to as Christians, isn't it? Yes, we're called to nothing less than knowing God as he knows himself and loving God as he loves himself and then loving others as God loves them. So God wants to grace us with a kind of love that will be supernatural. It will be God's own love incarnate in us through Jesus Christ so that we can live a sacrificial life, a sacrificial love as Christ lived it and as his mother lived it. Well, I want to go back to a point you raised earlier, and it, I have to confess, hit home for me because you said uh, uh, our Father is not punishing us, but these are uh, his graces. He's bringing us along as he would bring along his own child. Any, any child the Father uh, certainly uh, reprimands in order to uh, correct them and bring them back to the path. I know in my own household that whenever I take the opportunity to correct my children, they immediately want to run to their mother. So why don't we talk about running to our mother this evening? Uh, Deacon uh, Tracy, tell me a little bit, because uh, our listeners may not know, but you're actually a convert to the faith as well, so you bring that additional uh, insight for us. Uh, And I know I've been asked this question on occasion. Why would you pray to Mary? Why would you go to Mary in dialogue, in prayer? Why not just go to Jesus each time? What would you have said to somebody who asked that question, either before you converted or certainly now? Well, as a Protestant, um, my assumption was that I would always go directly to Christ. And uh, for, exa- for instance, on the issue of confessing sins, we would always confess directly to Christ and never really go through a, a, a mediator in any sense. But as I became more and more Catholic in my thinking, I realized that it was actually the will of Christ to mediate graces to his faithful uh, through through those he has chosen to exercise a special role within the Church. And so I began to realize that um, we do mediate graces to one another. And above all, uh, the highest form of that, of course, would be the mediation that takes place uh, through through Christ's mother, through the mother of God, as she mediates graces to her children. And so the more sacramental and the more Catholic I became in my understanding of the Church, the more, the more I realized the unique role of the priest and the unique role of Mary. I think before we move on too quickly from this discussion about motherhood, we ought to, uh, Deacon Tracy, introduce... Uh, uh, the one woman on the panel here this evening, and get her perspective, because I know we would all value uh, hearing it. Francis, absolutely. Uh, what do you see the significance of Mary as the role of mother that we've talked about here? Well, I see it as tenderness. Um, whenever my children are hurt or scared, they tend to come to me, you know, uh, have that uh, scary dream during the night. Uh, if they wake up the father, he he's kind of like, oh, are you waking me up for... <laughs> Um, but they come to me and, you know, they want to be consoled. So we go to Mary to be consoled. She saw the worst of it, didn't she, with the death of her son, our beloved Lord Jesus. And so she knows what this pain is. She knows the sorrow. She knows the fear. And so uh, that great tenderness and also uh, this great uh, humility, um, meekness. Um, when When she would discipline people around here, I'm sure it wasn't like, I told you not to do that. Uh, so for me as a mother, I turned to Mary to help me because I'm guilty of the I told you so, and um, so pray for me, right? Um, but, yeah, she, I invoke her especially to help me as a mother to do uh, with my children what she does with all her children throughout the world, throughout time, 
and that is meekly and humbly invite you to do good, to do right, to follow the way, the truth, and the life. Well, I want to, uh, just a personal uh, testimony here, I can uh, relate my own history of my uh, developing devotion to our mother. I know a couple of years ago, I remember having a conversation with my son, and I said, I think Mary's wonderful, but my devotion is really to St. Joseph. After all, he's the man, he's the father of the house, he's uh, the worker, and so forth. And so I have a great devotion to St. Joseph, and I maintain that devotion. Uh, But I began, even then, about two years ago, uh, through the rosary, through the Seven Sorrows Rosary, and other devotions to our Blessed Mother, to begin to experience, in a very real way, her presence in my life, her guidance, her counsel, and unmistakably, uh, we, we... have named our community, Francis, Our Lady of Good Counsel, and we know that we draw remarkable graces from our dialogue with Mary, our daily dialogue with Mary. And I can speak on a very personal level that uh, I have received remarkable graces, remarkable counsel and guidance from my mother with regard to my spiritual maturity and spiritual growth, uh, most especially as I face challenges in that. I want to invite uh, our listeners quickly, first with a reminder, once again, you're listening to Carmelite, conversations on Radio Maria, a Christian voice in your home. If you have a question or a comment or you'd like to participate in the conversation, please don't hesitate to call. We're at 1-866-333-6279. Again, if you've got a question or a comment that you'd like to make, please join the conversation. Let me pick up a little bit on the the history, just so we ground ourselves in in, uh, Mary's role and her... uh, association with the order. Um, it is true that the hermits on Mount Carmel, we've talked about those in the past, Deacon Tracy, uh, chose Mary as their patron for a number of reasons, uh, not the least of which is in their mind, she represented the ideal model of the prophet, but prophet in the traditional sense that we speak about prophet, the way they thought about uh, the role of Elijah. In other words, Mary as the presence of Christ among us, witness in her very person, in her actions, in her ministering to those uh, around her. She represented the ideal model of the prophet. Isn't this the way we look at Mary even today in our in our order? Well, certainly. Uh, Mary is the ultimate disciple, the ultimate witness, and the ultimate apostle of Christ. She is the queen of apostles, and the apostles are the new prophets, the new, the prophets of the new covenant. And in a very real sense, we're all called to apostleship, and uh, to imitate Mary, not only in having an apostolic prayer life, but also uh, to to proclaim the gospel uh, in a way that would be effective. Now, Mary uh, bears witness to the presence of Christ, to the presence of God, and the priority of God in our lives, that we must put God first, and God and His will must be the foundation of everything that we uh, are pursuing in life if we want to be happy. So conformity to the will of God is the prophecy here, and that is what she is calling us to as she is perfectly conformed to God's will. We talked last week just briefly, Francis, about this idea of purity of heart. And, of course, in a natural sense, we understand what we mean when we say purity of heart. But in a more spiritual sense, we talked about the fact that purity of heart is this idea of singularity of will, literally the conforming of our individual human will, in this case Mary's will, perfectly with the Father's will. And that's what is really meant by purity of heart, and that's the way uh, Mary modeled 
uh, that uh, particular virtue for us, isn't it? Yes, and I I think she's uh, known, of course, as the Christ bearer. Um, And if we look at the mystery where she's going to visit Elizabeth right after the Annunciation, you know, she has this great moment. She's already offered this great prayer of praise, and she's also said, I will be done with her fiat, which she calls us to do in each and every moment. But guess what she does next? She has to run out to Elizabeth and go help her. So there she is, prayer in action, right there. And so as she takes Christ and she bears Christ to Elizabeth, this is also showing us how to receive Christ. Um, You know, here she is, the first monstrance. She is uh, carrying Jesus within her womb. He's hidden there, just like he's hidden in the Eucharist. And so we, as Elizabeth, let's not miss the time of his visitation through Mary, and let's be open and receptive to to receive him. And just as our souls are united to Christ, so Carmel is united to Mary, because she's the purest, highest, most perfect expression of the soul, open to the divine. She's the contemplative par excellence, and we know that contemplation and prayer is the heart of Carmel. Let's talk about that because, again, the importance of combining an apostolate, a work of charity, with our deep contemplative prayer. Everything springs from that prayer, from that relationship with Jesus Christ. Mary, as we've said uh, over and over again, modeled that perfectly. Well, let's go to the discussion about contemplation, her unique relationship with the Lord. And, Tracy, we talked about this a little bit earlier in the week. Uh, Francis, I want to pick up quickly on something you said in this context, and that is this idea uh, of constant prayer we've we've spoken about a lot but it's bringing the lord into every single event throughout the course of our day isn't that what we're really uh, seeing in mary as she goes through the activities that you've identified and what we'll continue to discuss in her her uh, individual life right and when we stop to ponder what's happening in our life and get get outside of the emotion and try to see what what god's purpose is here what are we trying to learn then we can come to know his will but i i have to catch you on something, because you're using Carmelite lingo here. Uh, When we say that term, contemplation, and I said it too, I'm going to ask Tracy if he could give our listening audience kind of idea what we're talking about here when we talk about contemplation. All right. Well, the Catechism tells us that there are three basic expressions of the life of prayer. There's vocal prayer, there's meditation, or what's sometimes called mental prayer, and then there's contemplative prayer. So what would be common to all three forms or expressions of prayer? That would be the recollection of the heart, that we're grounded and rooted uh, in our hearts uh, and reaching out toward God, which is the essence of prayer. So in vocal prayer and mental prayer or meditation, the prayer is coming from our will. We are uh, exercising the virtues of faith, hope, and charity and we're doing our part, what's, what we can do to exercise these virtues in a way that would be pleasing to God in order to hold ourselves in the presence of God and to have a conversation with Him. So after we've made an effort in the life of prayer and become self-disciplined um, as to the extent that we can, we also say that there's an aspect of prayer in which God acts, and we receive that passively. So we actively make the effort, and that's essential, But contemplative prayer begins when God intervenes in our life of prayer, and he begins to perfect us and purify our life of prayer 
in a way that goes beyond what we ourselves are capable of. At that point, he's gracing us with an elevated level of prayer that participates in a new way in in his own life, his own Trinitarian life, and in, in his own knowledge and in his own love. And when that begins, when God uh, passively brings us to a level of recollection that's beyond uh, our own capacities naturally, um, when that begins, we say that is the beginning of the mystical life of contemplative prayer because it's pure grace, it's received passively, and it perfects uh, our own struggles and efforts at mental prayer. And so this is nothing that we can make happen? No, contemplative prayer proper uh, is not something that we could make happen. However, uh, what the saints tell us is that God ordinarily rewards those who make effort. So he could grace this prayer to anyone at any point, um, but ordinarily, his ordinary way of working with us is that God draws close to those who draw close to him. So if we draw close to God in vocal and mental prayer, and we live a disciplined life of prayer, then when God sees that we're making the effort, then he begins to reach down and pick us up to that new level. And I'm thinking of St. Teresa of Avila who said, not to think much, but love much. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, we can think all we want and have all that discursive thought-to-thought thought kind of prayer, but if we can get into the heart and pray with the heart, as our Blessed Mother tells us, pray with your heart, um, pray with our love, and then be open to receive, like Elizabeth, when Mary visited her, to not miss the, the visitation. We do have to move from the vocal to the mental, where we get into a dialectic of prayer, really, right? We, we begin to uh, converse with God, we question, we, we go back and forth over the scriptures if we're using Alexio Divina, uh, which is nothing other than sacred reading, using the, the Gospels, uh, perhaps, or other uh, scripture texts uh, for that mental prayer, uh, that we hope, uh, by disposing ourselves, Tracy, will lead us into uh, an experience of God in a deeper way that, you're right, we certainly can't create that event uh, on our own, but there is a, a great deal of preparation on our part and responsibility on our part, which is largely stemming from our hope, which generates desire, doesn't it? Our desire for God. God wants to know that we genuinely desire Him in our life, and if we're uh, e- either sort of sitting on the sides and watching the spiritual a parade go by, uh, or uh, for whatever reason we, we may have stopped and turned away from prayer altogether. We don't have that desire for God, and God knows that he won't be able to grace us with those gifts because we wouldn't be in a position to accept them. Isn't that, isn't that the, the challenge that we face? Oh, absolutely, and it's a challenge we face every day of our lives, and every day when we get out of bed, we, we have the choice that we need to make to put God first, and that means that our day is structured around prayer. If God is our happiness, if God is the meaning of our lives, if he's the reason that we exist and for everything that we do, we must begin and end every day in his presence. And we must take time throughout the day to uh, spend some time alone with him in silence and solitude, to have a daily quiet time, as some of our Protestant brothers and sisters talk about. But uh, this is very much part of Catholic devotion as well that we would uh, start with prayer and focus on prayer throughout the day and that everything else would flow out of that life. 
Well, we're going to take a break, and when we do come back, I want to pick up on the dialogue around silence and solitude and carrying that prayer experience into daily life. And again, coming back to watching and, and, and uh, studying and learning from the Blessed Mother on how we might do that and engaging her in support of that. So again, you're listening to Carmelite Conversations on Radio Maria. Uh, we'll take a quick break, and we'll be right back. everybody, we uh, wanted to pick up on this idea of Mary's role in helping us in both our material and, and in our spiritual life. But first, uh, let me talk a little bit about the material. We know, uh, Tracy, that uh, our mother was uh, the patron of the uh, original hermits on Mount Carmel, and they dedicated themselves to her for three reasons, the first of which we spoke about. Uh, the, the, the simple fact that they saw her as the ideal model of the prophet or the presence of God in the world. Secondly, though, was their desire to commit themselves to her, uh, to have devotion to her, to, uh, in the context of uh, later Carmelite history that was written, uh, really uh, make themselves uh, a pay, uh, uh, serfs, if you will, to marry in her kingdom. And the reverse of that was to secure... Mary's support, uh, her guidance, her help in their both material and spiritual needs, which makes us 
realize and see that Mary is the intercessor extraordinaire. Uh, we see this, Francis, actually in the story in the wedding at Cana that we talked about a little bit earlier. Right. Whenever they run out of wine, and she notices, and um, so she basically says, you know, when they come up to her, she says, do whatever he tells you. You know, it, doesn't that tell you a lot about prayer? I mean, because I am guilty of saying, oh, Lord, do this, do that, do that, you know, heal this person. And, and of course, we mean well. But this example of do whatever he tells you, that's like what great confidence and humility she's showing in, in that prayer. Do whatever he tells you. And so I think if we can do that to say, Lord, my husband is sick or we need peace on earth, Lord, help us. You know, instead of telling God how to do his job, won't that be good? And I bet you Tracy could tell us more about Mary as the intercessor. Well, she she nurtures in us um, the grace of prayer, and she comes to us especially in those dark moments in our lives and in those moments of need. So when we're in a situation of embarrassment or humiliation or situations of suffering or or grief, Mary especially comes to us in those dark, in that darkness, and she meets us there and illuminates us with the light of her Son, and she directs us to find meaning to what we're going through in those moments in the cross of Jesus Christ. And she does not abandon us in any way, but she actually brings us along to the point where we can find meaning in, in suffering and in whatever it is that uh, we're having to go through in this life here below. And she will bring the graces out of it that will make all the difference uh, for ourselves and, and for all whom we encounter. And it's important to remember that Mary is a genuine witness to this, isn't she? Because in her own life, Francis, we just talked about this, uh, first the trial and the tribulation of, of, of the uh, original uh, pregnancy and, and uh, having to travel in the midst of that and then having to flee to Egypt uh, she certainly took on her challenges, but then later we know uh, that both she and Joseph lost Jesus and, and had to search for him the three days. They find him in the temple, and uh, perhaps even somewhat surprising to the Blessed Mother, uh, our Lord's response is, didn't you know that I must be about my Father's work? And, and of course, uh, it, it says then that he uh, went back with them to Nazareth and was obedient to them. But this was her experience. She wasn't sheltered from any of the challenges that we have to experience in our own life. Uh, so she is a genuine uh, witness to how we might deal with those difficult uh, situations, even in our own life. And as a mother, of course, she knew the grave responsibility, you know, of taking care of Jesus and, and Joseph, too. And here, he's been gone for three days, and she's wondering, and she's pondering, though. She's still taking these thoughts and putting them, you know, into her heart and wondering. And I, I think that maybe... She was being prepared for the three days of waiting between Good Friday and the resurrection on Easter Sunday. Oh, no question about it. That is, uh, that is uh, uh, symbolic of exactly that sort of challenge that she was going to have to uh, uh, live through later on in her life. And as intercessor, um, I have to also say that, you know, when we go to a job and we want to get promoted, don't we often ask somebody who's close to the boss to put a good word in for us? Sure. Oh, yes, we do. And yet some people are so afraid to go and ask Mary to put a good word in for them. 
But what better person than a mother who loves us so dearly, who wants to lead us into the heart of Jesus, to ask her for her help? I want to pick up on this idea that not only does Mary uh, have the experience of having to seek Jesus and find him, uh, the, the challenge of his immediate response, but uh, I want to say to those folks uh, who I said a little bit earlier, you know, if you feel like you've reached a dry spot in your prayer life, if for whatever reason something has happened uh, in your relationship with Jesus Christ and you may have uh, turned away or you may be hurting from uh, the circumstances of your individual life, Mary's calling us to turn back and seek the Lord in the temple. And, of course, we know uh, our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. We look for the Lord in that interior relationship, in that quiet uh, moment of prayer uh, that, that Tracy was talking about earlier. And I want to pick up on these three themes that we, we've touched on, I think, each week, Francis, but they're so important to our spirituality and to spirituality in general, certainly not limited to Carmel. Uh, but in prayer, these ideas of simplicity, Mary certainly lived that, solitude and silence. Tracy, you talked about that a little before the break. Well, it's essential to spend time alone with the one you love, and that is true of God more than anyone else. And so we are alone with God all the time in in our own hearts, but if we don't focus on God, then our hearts can be full of many distractions. And the silence and solitude that we're after is an interior silence and solitude uh, that can be cultivated and root us in God's love so strongly that even when we have to suffer the times of uh, tribulation and, and loss, that we are recognizing God's presence. And what, one of the things that St. John of the Cross tells us is that when contemplative prayer begins, that is, when God intervenes in our lives to elevate us to a new level of prayer, usually it feels like that we've actually been abandoned by God. And so when we hit a wall in our prayer life and we're suffering from dryness or distractions or we just seem like God has abandoned us or withdrawn from us, we should always keep in mind that it may be that God is calling us to, to a higher level of prayer and that we should persevere in the practice of silence and solitude uh, and, and mental prayer uh, to the extent that we're able so that we're alone with God and we're remembering Christ on the cross. Because contemplative prayer is, is not only a great joy, it's also a union with Christ on the cross. And as we offer that to God, we'll find our prayer life becoming deeper and deeper and our relationship with God becoming stronger and stronger. You know, I want to explore a little bit for our listeners this idea of, of tackling dryness in prayer. And again, um, if you may be only... Uh, today, practicing vocal prayer, you go through a series of devotions and may have readings that you do. I certainly began my own prayer life uh, much this way before I began to learn about the value and the benefit uh, and the graces in mental prayer where we begin to engage the Lord in a dialogue, or we may engage uh, the Blessed Mother or any one of the saints in a direct dialogue. But for the moment, if we assume that we've reached that uh, that dry spot or uh, that we're just beginning this this practice of mental prayer. Tracy, do you have some recommendations for our listeners as to, I don't want to go through method, we're actually going to talk method when we do uh, St. Uh, Teresa of Avila's uh, way of uh, perfection over the next few weeks for the listeners who will be able to join us uh, during those uh, programs. But I, I want to talk just briefly about 
some of the methods to help us deal with this dryness? What might you recommend to somebody who may have hit one of those plateaus, if you will, in their prayer life? Well, to focus on virtue, because uh, virtue is the goal here. And in our practice of self-discipline and self-denial, as we approach Lent here this week and think about that, we should keep in mind that what we're trying to acquire is a fundamental orientation toward goodness, an orientation that will build virtue, that we would grow in virtue. And so our prayer life is tested by these things, by distractions and dryness and so on, as all relationships are. And so when our relationship is is tested in that way, we should focus on trusting in the Lord, because when we are encountering dryness, Uh, God is really asking us to come along further. He's given us many consolations, but if he keeps giving us those consolations, then then we really will lose our focus on God's presence alone. So God wants us to be united to him alone, not to the comforts and consolations that he's giving us. So when we're dealing with dryness, we're, we're hitting those hard times that uh, if we persevere through those and maintain our spiritual disciplines, our daily quiet time and, and practice of mental prayer, then we will acquire the virtue that will bind us even more closely to God. It's so true, isn't it, as it says in Scripture, our God is a jealous God. He doesn't want any obstacles. He won't, uh, he won't abide any obstacles in our relationship with Him. He does not want us relying on any of the consolations that we may have created for ourselves in our worldly experience. In and of themselves, they're not bad, but if they become an obstacle to our purification and perfection in love, then the Lord will gently remove them. And if we can't gently remove them, sometimes he'll more directly remove them. Isn't that true, Francis? That's true, and he's got our best interest at heart. And, you know, he knows that coming directly to him and uh, not getting stuck in that jail, like in the Monopoly game or getting caught up in uh, having to pay those taxes or whatever, um, you know, he, he wants us to come to him and to know and love him. That's why he made us. I want to remind you again that you are listening to Carmelite Conversations on Radio Maria, a Christian voice in your home. If you would like to be part of the conversation in any way, if you have a comment uh, or you'd like to just uh, uh, have a question uh, uh, leveled to uh, any one of us on the uh, panel, please give us a call at one eight six six three three three. Six two seven nine. You know, Deacon Tracy. Last week we talked a little bit about preparation for prayer. What must I do? We certainly wouldn't just walk into a chapel or walk into the quiet of our bedroom at home and, and drop to our knees and begin a prayer session. Uh, there's preparation necessary for that. We talked about that a little bit last week. But I want to talk on the other end now. We've spent perhaps fifteen, twenty minutes, thirty minutes, an hour. Uh, in prayer with the Lord. We've gone through some form of vocal prayer, meditation, spiritual reading, reflection. And now we're about to leave our prayer session. We're going to have to take ourselves back into the real world, as our Blessed Mother did every day. Uh, what, what suggestions might you have for how we continue that dialogue with the Lord? How do we maintain His presence? How do we engage Him in participation and helping us uh, throughout the course of our day? Well, there's on the one side what we can do to acquire new mental habits. And, of course, on the other side, there's what God will do to give us graces that will enable us to do even more than that. And and he will 
fix our attention on himself in a way that uh, will be unmistakable throughout the day if we simply ask him to do that. Uh, He will meet us throughout the day in ways that are unexpected. But he does expect us to make the effort. And again, uh, if we remember what a virtue is, a virtue is essentially a habit. And we have mental virtues that we can work on as well. And so mentally, we want to habituate our minds to paying attention to the Lord. Now, kind of by nature, given our fallen nature, what it is, uh, we're naturally habituated toward worry. So we go through the day with a mind full of worries and concerns. And in our prayer life, one of our first goals is to try to begin to replace that bad habit with a good habit. And so we're focusing on a conversation with God. So when the worries come through our mind, we're replacing them Uh, with a conversation that would bring those worries before the Lord. And we just say to the Lord, I'm worrying about this or I'm worrying about that. And we cast all our cares upon Him. And as we do that, slowly each day, very gradually, we begin to acquire the mental habit by which we are keeping ourselves in God's presence throughout the day, no matter what we're doing. And I'm reminded of a prayer a friend taught me. It was, Mary, take over because Mary knows what it is to have all these distractions and fears and concerns. And when we turn to her to help us, she will plead for us as that great intercessor, as the mother, as our queen, as our lady, as our protector. And she will be. And it's just a very simple prayer. Mary, take over. What a great prayer. You know, we also have to feed our mind on Scripture. You, You talked about how the assault of the mind, the worries, the anxieties, they tend to override our faith in Christ, our faith and belief that the Blessed Mother is going to intercede for us, that the circumstances of our life may be outside the uh, purview, if you will, of God at any particular moment. Uh, Romans 8.38 tells us, For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing, will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. There are so many verses throughout Scripture like that, and we have to feed our minds with those uh, very powerful verses, and we have to repeat them to ourselves throughout the course of the day, don't we, Don't we, Deacon? Oh, yes, that's an excellent uh, practice to, to acquire, and unfortunately some of our Protestant brothers and sisters do it better than we do, but if we fill our, if we fill our minds with sacred Scripture if we fill our minds with the Word of God in that way, what we find is that throughout the day, God brings those to mind in opportune moments. And so those scriptures that we have there floating around in our memory, are they become part of our conversation with God, and we can see how God is using those scriptures to, to call us back to Himself. And when we pray the rosary, that's very scriptural. And we relive Christ's life. And we can start to see then, as we ponder, like Mary, on these mysteries, how God is even replaying these mysteries within our own life. When we go to Mass, or when we're facing a particular hardship, or when we have a great moment of great joy, like the resurrection, that great joy, or the being open to the Holy Spirit, and how we can be open, how the apostles prepared, and then how they responded. They evangelized. So when we pray that rosary, and we ask our Blessed Mother, please help us to pray this well. We ask our guardian angels, please help us. You know, I think that we will grow 
And instead of just rattling the prayers off as fast as we can, let's think about what those words are. I mean, the last time you prayed, you know, what were you asking? And who were you asking? If we know who we're talking to and what we're asking, and it's God the Father, we can't go wrong. It's so important. I know when, uh, on occasion, people will ask me, you know, uh, what might I do to begin the next step in the spiritual journey? We had somebody from the first program uh, ask this very question. So where do I begin? What what are the next uh, or or the first best steps for me? And I, I always counsel, don't start doing anything new. Do what you're already doing in your Catholic faith. Assuming you're attending Mass, assuming you are doing some amount of prayer, don't necessarily add to that. Deepen what you're already doing. If you're going to Mass, read the Gospel before you arrive at Mass. Maybe arrive 15 or 20 minutes early and be thinking about the Gospel already, mentally uh, engaging in that dialogue with the Lord. As you said, Francis, if you are praying, deepen your understanding of that prayer. Pray the Our Father, but take 30 minutes to pray it. See what you might learn by taking 30 minutes to pray the Our Father. Right, and a great prayer is when you personalize it. Make it all your own. Because we can pray these prayers, and they're somebody else's, but when we bring them into our life and, it, and apply it to our own circumstances, then it becomes our unique prayer. Yeah, I, I would uh, be a strong advocate for uh, anybody just slowing down, not getting anxious about what are the next steps for me in the spiritual journey, uh, but certainly getting into Scripture. John Paul too told us, ignorance of Scripture is ignorance of Jesus Christ. Uh, and, and Paul said, Take on the mind of Christ. Well, if we're going to take on the mind of Christ, who is the Word, then we have to live in the Word, don't we? Yes, living in the Word is fundamental to to our spiritual life. And uh, we need to uh, saturate our minds, really, with Scripture uh, so that we hear the voice of God. And it's so important when we go to Mass to be to be listening to what God is saying to us personally. Uh, through those scriptures, and to have that personal relationship uh, with Christ uh, that w- will flow over into every aspect of our lives, and we'll be able to see Christ in others as we go about the world, throughout the world, and do our ordinary duties and interact with people. We'll find ourselves listening for the voice of Christ, listening for the Word of God, and seeing Christ in others. So as we read the scripture, we ponder it like Mary It goes into our memory first, then our consciousness, and then we start to understand at a deeper level. And finally, we'll get to that point of wonder or contemplation. And aren't these the phases of a spiritual life? Yes. As you said uh, earlier, Francis, eventually it gets into our heart. Prayer ultimately has to get to the heart. God wants to own our heart. He wants us to feel that affection that we feel in a relationship with someone we love in that same way, actually in a deeper way. He wants us to have that same experience with Him. And that only happens when we dwell with Him. Tracy, as you said earlier, anybody that you're in a love relationship or you have affection for somebody, you ultimately want to spend time with that person, you want to be in conversation with that person, you want to listen to that person, you want to understand that person. It's no different in our relationship with Jesus Christ. He is a person who we must spend some time with. And you're so so right when you say, We'll begin as we saturate our mind, as we begin to dwell on these things, as we begin to get in touch with the indwelling uh, presence of God within us, we will begin to hear and see Him working on our life in so many ways. He may do it through the voice of a close friend. He may do it through a book we pick up. We may hear something uh, in a radio program, hopefully Radio Maria, 
uh, that speaks to us. But God will speak to us in so many ways, won't he? And who better to lead us to Christ than Mary? Yes. Well, Mary Mary is the model of prayer, and Mary is uh, the model of faith and hope and love. And we are to imitate Mary in her prayer life. So Mary entered deeply into mental prayer and meditation. She filled her mind with the sacred scriptures. But even above that, she was totally united with God in a way that perfected her contemplative prayer life and her apostolic prayer life. She did not go on mission the way the apostles did, but it was through her intimate union with God, with the Trinity in her soul, that she obtained through prayer the graces to bring about the advancement of the Church. So the successes that the apostles themselves had in spreading uh, the Word of God uh, came through Mary's prayer life. And a little bit of that is what takes place in us as well as we imitate Mary's prayer life. We receive those graces by uniting ourselves so closely and intimately with God that He will bring about all the successes that we have. And that's, uh, I think, a good point for us to end on, this idea of the apostolate that we talked about earlier. The apostolate begins with prayer, and it ends with prayer. We may not be someone who goes out on mission. We may not be called to uh, speak publicly about our relationship with the Lord. We may not be called to witness, but our prayer by itself is a witness, and through that prayer, the Lord has everything he needs to affect uh, the, the, the sharing of his mission, his grace, and his mercy in the world. And that was uh, married to uh, to a T. Uh, Francis, last week I had asked you, and uh, again, my last cleanup detail, if you will, uh, I want to say something just quickly with regard to uh, concerns anybody might have that, well, gee, I've spent a lot of time in prayer, or I haven't, uh, and I feel like I've wasted a good deal of my life. I feel this way at times that uh, at my stage of life, knowing that I haven't prayed enough and I haven't engaged in, in conversation with our Lord enough, I always look back with some regret. But St. Teresa of Avila has a great prayer and counsel for us so that we don't have to experience that regret. Francis, could you pray that prayer for us? Yes, I'd like to dedicate this to all the Marys out there and all who love Mary. O oh my God, source of all mercy, I acknowledge your sovereign power. While recalling the wasted years that are past, I believe that you, Lord, can in an instant turn this loss to gain. Miserable as I am, yet I firmly believe that you can do all things. Please restore to me the time lost, giving me your grace, both now and in the future, that I may appear before you in wedding garments. Amen. Thank you, Francis. We appreciate that. I hope that's counsel for uh, our consolation for any of you who may feel like you have left some time behind. That time is retrievable by God. Finally, I mentioned that our uh, community here in Dayton is called Our Lady of Good Counsel. And Tracy, can I ask you if you wouldn't mind reading the last uh, portion of our prayer uh, to Our Lady of Good Counsel? Let us pray. O Mother of Good Counsel, obtain for us from thy divine Son a great love of virtue, and in the hour of uncertainty and trial, the strength to embrace the way that leads to our salvation. If thy hand sustains us, we shall walk unmolested along the path indicated to us by the life and words of Jesus, our Redeemer. And having followed freely and securely, even in the midst of this world's strife, the Son of Truth and Justice, under thy maternal star, we shall come to the enjoyment of full and eternal peace with thee, 
in the heaven of salvation. Amen. Thank you, Deacon. Once again, uh, listeners, I want to thank you for joining us this week. You've been listening to Carmelite Conversations on Radio Maria, a Christian voice in your home. I want to ask you, please, uh, if you do have questions or feedback that you would like to provide us, please don't hesitate to email me at m.danis, that's D-A-N-I-S, at sbcglobal.net. That's sbcglobal, that's one word, dot net. Please feel free to send us your comments and feedback. We would very much appreciate it. Again, you've been listening to Carmelite Conversations on Radio Maria. Uh, Deacon uh, Tracy, I'd very much like to thank you for your uh, guest appearance here this evening. I'm sure that we'll have you back. Uh, would enjoy that opportunity. And Francis, thank you once again. Thank you, Mark. God thank bless you, you all. Thank you. Thank you.